What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast. This is episode number 25. My name is Paul Verzi, and a very, very special episode it is uh, this week. I've been waiting to have her on, and uh, I have a special guest comedian with me. Um, you might have seen her on Last Comic Standing. She did very well, got very far on that show. She's been to the Montreal Comedy Festival and truly, in my opinion, one of the best comedians, uh, not only in New York, but out there today. Um, I love her writing. She's here. We are working together in Boston. The, the very talented Adrian Appalucci. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Paul. Look, she's, <laughs> she gets so uncomfortable with the, with the compliments. It's so funny. Comedians are so, like, when you say something nice about them, they don't even know what to do. But I'm, I'm complimented you didn't call me a comedian. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You are not a comedian. You are just a fucking hilarious comic. Uh, we are out here performing together in Boston. And uh, it was an eventful night last night driving in, wasn't it? Yeah, very eventful. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised we made the show. Oh, my God. We're, we're performing out here at Motley's Comedy Club. Uh, in Boston, which is in Faneuil Hall. It's a cool underground uh, underground type room. Um, it has a really good following, you know, good good comedy fans, except uh, for one we'll talk about last last night we had to deal with. But we're driving here, and uh, Adrian and I, we get in. Not that much traffic wasn't that bad. Nope. Right? We thought it was going to be, you know, just a couple of little merges here and there in Connecticut. Um, we get to the hotel, which, by the way, we are shooting this podcast uh, live uh, from or recording this podcast live from the uh, Wyndham Hotel uh, in Boston in the Chelsea area, which um, <laughs> is a really nice, beautiful hotel. But I didn't realize the outskirts. I didn't realize Chelsea wasn't that nice. Like uh, it was funny. It's not like Chelsea, New York, with the fab- <laughs> yeah. with the fabulous gaze. Yeah, it's definitely not like Chelsea, New York. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's this is you know you kind of like it's kind of weird because like the rooms are nice. Everything, it's like this big, nice hotel on the street, but then you walk outside and there's like auto body shops and like run down, like little facilities. So anyway, we get to the hotel last night and we make the plan, meet downstairs at 7.20. Adrian's like, I need... Can you talk about the blood? Oh yeah, 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 I got to talk about the blood too. So we go in, the rooms are nice, two big, you know, two big beds, flat screen TVs, everything is cool, you know, and as comics, we love that because we're used to, you know... You're just used to sometimes, you know, not having that or you're running around doing spots. When you get a nice hotel, it's awesome. So I come downstairs uh, at 7.20. I see Adrian, and I, I tell her that on my window, behind the curtain, there's red specks. It looks like blood on the... I don't want any managers to listen to this. Um, there's none around. Yeah, so... I go to my window to, like, close the blind part so it stays dark, you know, for the morning. And behind, like, the see-through curtain, it's white. And there's, like, three specks of red. And I'm going, what kind of shit happened in this hotel room uh, before? So I go downstairs to tell somebody before I met Adrian in a, in the lobby. And I call it, and I go, listen, I don't want to say this in front of your customers, but it looks like there's specks of blood on my, on my, on my blinds. He's like, you want me to come up and take a look? And I'm like, yeah, come up and take a look. So he goes up there, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. It could, yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely a couple of red specks. And I, you know, it could be marker. It could, it could be, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe somebody cut their hand. And then I swear to God, he goes, but don't worry. He goes, since I've been here in the 10 years I've been here, nobody died in any of the rooms. And I was just like, all right, but like something horrible. Cause still like, okay, nobody died, but somebody could have been stabbed right. in the room. And the funny thing is I was so tired from traveling and just wanted to, to get on with the night that I didn't even switch rooms. He's like, do you want to switch rooms? And I'm like, no. A few specks of blood on the on the window is, is not enough for me to pa- repack my shit. So anyway, I meet Adrian downstairs at 7.20. And uh, we go. We go to Dunkin' Donuts. I get a coffee. Iced coffee is my routine before a show pretty much now. And we're driving through Boston to get to the club. And all of a sudden, we miss a turn. Okay. So... But you have to explain. We didn't just miss a turn. We were, like, in an underground tunnel missing a turn. Right, right. So we, we go through, like, like through a bridge, but then part of it you go underground in a tunnel, and those are where the exits are. So we're supposed to get off at exit 24B. I missed 24B because it was all the way to the right. It was like, it was like coming out of a, a bridge in Jersey. All the numbers were right there. You had to be to the far right. I wasn't. So we got, come out. 
And Adrian says something which made sense. It was logical. She goes, <laughs> she goes, okay, well, do a U-turn. We're going to have to go back over the bridge and into that tunnel again, and then we'll catch exit 24B. Makes sense, right? I thought so. So we go through the thing, and all of a sudden, she's like, oh, there's 26. And I'm like, yeah, all right, maybe it goes down. And then instead of going down, the next exit we see is 27. So we're like, shit. Now we're looking at the clock, and we're talking about, like, now it's like 740-something. And we're it's starting to get, like, to the borderline, like, all right, this is getting nervous. We still got a park when we get there. It's in Faneuil Hall. It's a big marketplace with a bunch of tourists. So, you know, we don't know how long that's going to take. So we swing around. We're trying to get back. We finally get back, and now it's like 750 and we're driving around and we come out and I'm like, okay, I think we're there. We're almost there. We're a mile away and we're good to go. And I get, I come up to a light and all of a sudden the truck stops moving and starts making a weird noise. And I'm going, what the hell? Oh, this thing must be in neutral. No, it wasn't in neutral. And I, it wasn't anything that I did. We forgot to look at the gas. Okay, now when you say we... Okay. You, as the, you as the driver hey, hey, hey. is supposed to know how much gas you have. I don't know any passenger that's like, hey, let me check the gas meter to make sure we have gas. That is your, I wasn't mad, okay. but that's your responsibility. Okay, it's my responsibility. I'm trying to bring you into my, I'm trying to bring Adrian into my mess up. No, no, no. Uh, but you know what? You're a navigator. You could have been like, hey, Paul, you know what? Like, dude, we didn't get, we haven't got gas in a while. Okay. You, it's not like you just started driving. You're a new driver. Did you think the car was just going to run on fumes? Like, oh my God. But we got lucky, didn't we? We did, got very lucky. We, we conk out right across the street from the Boston Garden. Okay. And it's literally right in front of this, like, parking garage that didn't have many, like, it was just like this little lot. And the actual office was a, a, like a mobile home. And the guy working there couldn't have been cooler. I get out of the car. I got to tell you, for, for, for what we went through, it was one of the most seamless. Like, you think, oh, my God, you're 10 minutes away from a comedy show that's about to start. You're running late already, and you just ran out of gas in the middle of the city of Boston. This is going to be a fucking nightmare. And it actually, the guy was so cool, he pushed my car into the parking lot. Adrian gets in a cab and goes to the show. Because I was closing the show, she was middling, so we had a host. So we knew that even if they started a little late, the host was going to do 12 to 15 minutes. And then, you know, and then Adrian goes on. So the guy, we moved the car into the uh, lot. He gives me a little gas can. We put a little gas in it thinking maybe we could get to a gas station after the show. I don't have time to find out then. The guy doesn't even want a penny. So we parked for free, basically. The guy doesn't even want a penny. He goes, oh, you had a rough night. The coolest, it was just, the guy couldn't. He's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Couldn't have been cooler. We're sitting there in the middle of Boston. It could have been a disaster. The guy could have said, you got to get your car out of here. The guy could have said, all right, you know. I'm F charging you. Yeah, I'm charging you $40 for the night. I mean, the guy could have been a dick. Instead, he put, pushes my car and then gives me gas and then leaves the gas can and said, here's a gas can if you need it later, which we'll get to later because we did. But um, it was awesome. So I told him, anytime you're in New York, you want to see a free show, I appreciate it. Wouldn't take a dime from me. Cool as shit. So now I have to take my T-shirts and my flyers and walk probably about a half a mile or three quarters of a mile to a place that's packed with people. And I don't exactly remember where it was. So I'm thinking Adrian's there at like 10 after 8. Uh, apparently she didn't get there until about 20 after 8. So I'm walking. I'm asking people. Finally get, finally get to the club. And um, Adrian, I guess, had arrived. The owner was like, oh, dude, I was freaking out. I, I didn't know if I had to get somebody else. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. I ran out of gas. I'm never late. The guy was, you know, he, things settled down. It was cool. Um, light crowd. Then all of a sudden, what do we see? Lo and behold, uh, you know, it's a small room, so it, it was decent enough for a show. But there's a dude blacking out drunk. Before the show starts, not even looking at the stage of the comic, just looking at this drunk blonde chick across from him, and they're talking during the whole show. Okay, before Adrian. Now, did you see him? Yeah, I seen them. They were talking while the host was on. While the host was on, they were they were chatting and being annoying. Yeah, so the host is on, and the guy's not looking at the host. Okay, she's you know she's doing she's busting her ass up there, and they're not looking at her. They're talking. I'm going, holy shit, this is going to be a problem. So you go on stage. Now, when you were on stage, did you sense him? Like, did you know? Did, that, did you feel that? Um, I didn't even... I, I knew he was drunk, but he wasn't really talking. It was more the girl that he was with that I thought was chatting mm -hmm. and... Yeah, well, she was... Yeah. Yeah, so here's the thing. These two dudes who were with these girls who looked like they were completely out of their league, 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, like these two like pretty blonde girls who were actually twins, and they right. actually were they were you know they were annoying. Well, one of them was really drunk and annoying, and the other one actually got up and left because she was so embarrassed that she was with them. So the one twin leaves, and at first we thought she was leaving because Adrian mentioned something to them. But you said something hilarious. What you said? Uh, you said, "Oh, there's two of you." <laughs> Because they were being so obnoxious, and she was like, well, this is my twin sister. I was like, oh, my God, there's two of you? Like, your mother must have been like, I can't believe I made a mistake twice. Yeah, yeah, that, and that was great. Um, so one of them, I guess the sober good twin, right. leaves. I think she was prettier, too. Yeah, well, we want to believe that anyway. I want to believe that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so basically... Uh, one, the one leaves because she's mortified by the sister and the actions of who the sister is with. Um, and the guy's just talking and talking. And, you know, Adrian's doing, you know, handled it great, had a great set. Um, gets off stage, and then um, I guess the other girl leaves. The other girl leaves before I got brought up. So now both twins are up there, and now these two drunk dudes are there. But the one dude who was blacking out is there, and he's, like, full-on, like, that, that hate, like, glazed over look in his eye really just like the other guy wasn't even really saying anything the other guy wasn't saying anything the other guy was just you know kind of just drunk but like hanging out not not being a dick yeah uh, so I get on stage and uh, you know I did close to I did like over 45 minutes and you know I had a good time except for you had a really good set oh thank you except for this guy who just and, and it got to the point where like his drunkenness and him slurring his words it was it was almost like it was one of the first times where like I didn't even want to because like, you almost felt bad for this guy, in a way, just because he's such a mess. He's yeah. such a mess that you're just like, don't you know what's going on? You should leave. Yeah, like, if he w- it was, it, I wouldn't have really taken any pleasure. Like, I said a couple of jabs to him, you know, a couple quick things, but I wouldn't have really taken pleasure killing him. Now, here's, here's why I was maybe even a little kind of easier on him than normal. Le- the night before last night, Thursday night, I did a show. I, I told you this. Mm-hmm. And this is, this, I don't know what's going on in the month of July. I don't know what is happening in comedy um, of late, but I was performing at Caroline's on Broadway, one of the best clubs in America, uh, right in Times Square. I was doing the Degenerate show. You did the first Degenerate uh, show. Yeah, I did the first one. Uh, this was the second Degenerate show that they run. I, I thought it was a great lineup. And I watched the host, uh, Gino Bisconti was hosting. And as soon as he gets up, front row, dead center, blonde girl, commenting on every single thing the host said. It's a lot of blonde girls that yeah. that are sh- chatty. Y- yes. Like, You're- they don't get enough attention. Yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Well, I'm glad you said that, because that, that's, what, that's what I had to mention to her. So, she's just saying everything, and he's calling her a whore, and he's doing it, but like, I, I don't know, you know how you handled something like this that early. So, the way he went at it was just like, shut up, you whore. Um... And she's just talking, she's talking. Next comic, Mike Vecchione gets on stage. Mike, hilarious comic, um, you know, do, you know, really clever jokes. And she's just commenting, and she's commenting, and she's commenting. And he kind of said something, and he dealt with it like a pro, and, 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 you know, did a great job. But I'm just watching it now. I'm going third. And I know this girl must be getting drunker, and I know it's coming. And, and I'm, I get on stage, and I'm just talking. And then I start talking about a little dark stuff that I'm talking about with my wife. Uh, thoughts I'm having, just things about my wife and certain things about, you know, women, but not anti-woman, just just thoughts that I'm having. And in the middle of my joke, okay, and the room is pretty busy, she just goes, and, 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 and my setup was dead quiet, people were listening, and you just hear her go, how old are you? With that, with that cunty, like, just to her voice, where it was just like, like she wanted to say something and be heard so much. So I kind of ignore it, I finish the joke, and then she goes, how old are you? And then at that moment, that's when I said, that's it, that's it. What did it even matter how so, old you are? So I put my water down, and I look at her, and I go, what the fuck does it matter how old I am? I go, what, why are you talking? I go, why don't you just sit there, eat your nachos, and drink your drink, and shut the fuck up. And she was chewing on a nacho, and I go, see, now you shut up. That's the only time you shut up when you're chewing. I go, stick those nachos in your face, keep drinking your drink, and shut up. And she was just like, wow. And, and she's like trying to talk, and I go, ma'am, these people like didn't come here for this. I go, and listen, I know you're pretty, and you don't hear this a lot, but it's not about you right now. Okay, it's not about you right now. And then I look and she's got her foot like semi on the stage. And then that set me off even more. And that's when I go and take your foot off the stage, have some fucking respect. And like, I just shut her down. And I had to. 
And at first I didn't know because a couple people got uncomfortable. There was, it was funny. There was this Indian Indian woman to the left, and she kind of got like, whoa. And but, people, but the Indian woman knew better than to talk. See, sometimes you think... You no, know, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you this, and this is what I liked about it. She shut up the rest of the set during my set. Of course, she went back and did it to other comics and eventually left the room because they kept talking to her. So we go into Boston last night, and now we have this guy. So it's back-to-back nights. I thought you handled it brilliantly with the things you said to the girls. Um, you know, me, I just kind of made fun of how drunk he was and kind of just, like you said, I felt almost like maybe it's because the night before I went so hard at somebody, but he was like harmless. He was just trying to like mumble stuff. But he, he was, was just, really drunk too. I don't think he even knew what he was doing. No, he didn't know what he was doing. He was really drunk and the guy should not have been in a comedy club. Here's the thing, people, if you're listening to this or if you know somebody who's like this, don't go to a comedy club. And comic, you're not helping out a comic. Like people are like, oh, I thought I was helping you out. That's no. not helping We're me professionals. Out. We don't need help. Okay, if you see a mechanic, you start working on an engine, you don't run over. I go, I thought I could help you. Do you need me? You know, look, no, he knows, he knows. I mean, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but like, I'm not going to run up to somebody doing their job and think. Even if I'm bombing on stage, I still don't want your help. I'd rather bomb alone <laughs> than bomb with your help. Like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Like, we don't need the, you know. And sometimes people are cool. Like, sometimes people add to it. Like, you know, I was down south recently. I was in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, uh, by the way. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that, too. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out. I was at Stand Up Carolina. you got to do that room, Adrian. Um, you got a good tape from that. Yeah, yeah. I was. I finally, after months and months, I finally have my five-minute clean set for TV, which um, Adrian will tell you is one of the hardest things to get, isn't it? It's really hard to get a five-minute set. To get a five-minute set, every clean. joke has to hit. Yeah. It's like if if the whole thing is killer and one joke's not that good, you're like, I, I can't use this. Yeah, that's. I have to get another tape. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody out there, uh, the owner Jeff Martin, the GM. Uh, Patrick, thank you all, uh, you know, so much. Uh, the host, Tim Wright, also for helping me get the camera. And everybody who came out there to see me, I really had a good time out there. Uh, unfortunately, it was 110 degrees, and it felt like you were in a pizza oven. Um, they didn't have air conditioning? No, I mean, in oh, the condo, to just outside. Oh, okay. It was just like you couldn't do anything. Um, but, no, that was awesome. And then uh, to be in Boston this weekend with uh, with Adrian, it's... Uh, it's been cool. So other than, but the coolest thing was, and then we get a ride. Here's how things work out. For all you people that don't think there's a plan or a greater, we we had to walk, or I had to walk. Adrian took a cab. Then I had to walk, but then we would have to walk back to the car. And it was pouring out. And it was pouring night. out where the car conked out of gas. We would have had to walk back, probably like three quarters of a mile through the city of Boston when it's pouring. And out of nowhere, the owner just goes, "Hey, do you guys need a ride? Because you know I could take you." And we were like, "Yeah," and we almost said no. And we're like, yeah, and we walk out, it's pouring. He drives us to the car, we find the car. Uh, Adrian waits in the car, I take the gas can right down the street, get, get gas, and the rest is history. And we ended up not spending money on parking, so it actually worked out. It might have worked out better. It worked out better. Um, we should do the same thing tonight. <laughs> yes, we're going to drive around. I put 50 in the tank. We're going to drive around, For get rid $50. of the 50. <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to conk out. Hopefully it's a better showing. Um, but actually, you said the first time you were at Motley's, there was eight people Friday night. So last night was about 25, so... Yeah, the first time that's I was at... three Mo- times the amount of people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, last year I was out here, and I walked in, and I'm like, you know, I'm headlining this, this underground club in Boston. I'm excited about it. I come to it. There's eight people, and I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. And then the next night, Saturday, I go in there with low expectations, and there was... It was standing room only, packed to the brim. You know, Awesome. So hopefully tonight is the same. Last night was 25 or so people. So uh, and you had, did you have a good time? I had a really good time. It's it a cool actually, club, right? Yeah, it's a very cool club. Yeah, it's it's. Boston audiences are smart. Yeah, Boston audiences are smart, and and they appreciate you. You could take them for a ride, um, which actually brings me to the new segment that I said that I was going to do. Uh, on the Verzi Effect podcast this week, I was going to do a segment called "From My Fans," and this is. Um, this is basically, I took a couple of uh, questions and topics that uh, my fans, uh, my supporters, um, you know, of my stand-up, my Facebook friends, all that stuff want me to talk about on here. And uh, I took two because these two people that I took are loyal fans of the Verzi Effect that I know. They're, they're, you know, like when you have, you just have those, like, loyal people that, like, you know, they, they're just, like, they like your career, they're into, you know, what you're doing. So, so I picked two. Uh, the first one is both of these questions are great, and I think both of the and you could tell it's funny because when I was talking to Adrian before we did this, I was like, 
These are actually like, what did you say? You were like, I was like, these are better questions than I would come up with. Yeah, she, uh, Adrian was like, these aren't comics. Like, that's how good of questions they are, and um, it's perfect. So this is uh, from my fans, and uh, the first one is um, Brian Crespin in Buffalo. Um, you said I butchered your name last time because when I first did this uh, on the earlier podcast, I did, so I apologize. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, Brian Crespin from Buffalo, and he asks, um, what is the difference between um, being an opener or a headliner, um, you know, as far as, like, your nerves about it, uh, your attitude, reactions, um, and uh, and also, and then audience members talking to you after the show, and as far as opener and headliner, which one is harder? So, Adrian, I'll ask you first. Um, great question, by the way, uh, Brian. Appreciate you being a loyal uh, supporter and listener to the Verzi Effect and, and my comedy, so I appreciate it. Uh, to answer your question, what would you say? Um, well, you've done both, right? I've only headlined a couple of times, like smaller shows. Okay, but, you know, I mean, you've, you've hosted. You've done, you've done middle host and, and close. Right. And, and what do you feel is... I almost think it's harder to host. Okay. I, I could see that. I could see that. I mean... Because almost like you're responsible for getting the audience hyped up into the... You're, you're responsible for getting the audience hyped and getting them ready for the show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like somebody like me who's a little bit like uh, low energy, that's a little bit hard to do. I also don't really talk to the audience... So for me, I don't know. I think it might be easier to close out a show than to start the show. Um, you know, I gotta. I hear you. I hear you. And I think I think one of the hardest things to do, and one of the hardest things to really get good at, is to host. Because when you're hosting a show, like you said, they're not ready for anything. They don't even know what to expect. Right. They, so you're they the have, face of the show, the first person they see. Yeah, you're the first person they see. They don't know what to expect. They, they might be a little nervous because if they've never been to a show before, like, what do we expect? So it is that host's job to be warm, you know, warm them up, uh, get the flow of the show going. Um, however, I'll, I'll disagree with the overall easier and harder for one reason. Because once that host does get through the, the initial ice breaking, right. then it's 10 minutes, they can do their material, and they're really not expected to be great. That's true. You are not expected to be that good. You're not expected to be that good. You're expected to open the show and not be terrible. And anything above that is gravy. So I'm going to say, to answer your question, Brian, I think closing is harder um, because, A, you're doing 45 to an hour. That's true. I mean, I've only done maybe a half hour when I've closed. I haven't done an hour, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you know, we, I think, I think, I think each thing. I don't even think there's really a right or wrong. I think each part of it, because the middle has a job where the middle. I think the middle is the easiest. Yeah, I think the middle is easiest too, but they have to be like, it. If the. Because you still are not supposed to be the best person on the show. You only have to be a little bit better than the host. Right, right. That's true. Um, if you bomb for thirty minutes as the middle, then you put the whole show in jeopardy because if right. the host wasn't really good, now now the the headliner's in a hole. And the headliner has to kill. And then the headliner. And they have to dig themselves out first. And they have to dig themselves out and then kill. So um, I would say I would say headliner, then host, and then middle. Um, and and the nerves of a headliner is it's your show, and and when other people do good. You know, I'll be honest, and I never thought, when I was middling, okay, I was lucky enough to middle for guys like Bill Burr, Robert Kelly, Patrice O'Neill, Dave Attell, and all I wanted to do when I hosted for guys like that was just kill or be as funny as possible, And because you know you're not at that level. Of course but not. But what you want to do is you want to just make the show like, wow, this is already a great show, that guy killed, and put even the slightest bit of pressure, because those guys feel it too. Like, wow, right. the middle was really good. I have to really do it. And I got to tell you, I was, um, there were a couple times. I was down, uh, the guy, the radio show guy, this guy, Sean Small, down in Myrtle Beach. He was the morning show sidekick, but a really funny comic. And he was doing a bunch of local material before me, and he was killing. And it was like the first time where I was like, holy shit, like, I have to really, like, I felt the pressure of, all right, I'm doing 45 minutes after this guy, and this guy is killing and, and it wasn't just the local stuff that was killing. His material was good. But, you know, when you're talking about stuff that people are familiar with, and I'm a Yankee from the north, right. so they don't want to like me, and, and you feel that. So um, I guess the nerves are, the nerves of a host are, all right, I can't suck right away, and I got to make the show okay. The middle just says, all right, I just got to be a middle. <laughs> 
Right. The other thing, too, about being a host and sucking is once you get off stage, you still have to go back on. Yes. You're like, hey, remember me from the top of the show when I sucked? I'm going to suck right now in between acts again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to keep sucking. (laughs) I'm going to just keep sucking. Yeah. So uh, don't mind me. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, with the headliner, you're just like, okay, listen, it's my show. I don't want to disappoint. I I reach this level. Especially as a headliner, a lot of times people are coming out to see you. Yeah. So that's good and bad in a way. Right. People are going, oh, congratulations, you're closing the show, we're coming to see you. And then when people come out, uh, I'm starting to get immune to people coming out to see me now just because, like, when I perform upstate New York, so many people, friends and family and, and, you know, just so many people that I've known for years are there that you get immune to it. Like, now it's just like, listen, you know, this is what I do. They know it's what I do. And, um, you know, hopefully you do well. Um, you know, I'm just at a point in my career now where I'm doing new stuff and I'm trying new stuff. And, you know, you try to, well, we'll get that because that's the next question. But um, so to answer your question, Brian, uh, you know, I think I think the headliner, the attitude a headliner has to have is completely different. The attitude a headliner has to have is you're going in there as like you just have to kill. You just have to, it's your show, you right. have to kill, and you have you to... You have to bring it home. You have to bring it home, and, and that's it. Um, and, and the opener is a little more nervous at the beginning, but then it's not... It, the, the nice thing about being the opener is the pressure is not on you. It's not your show. Right. So you're really not expected to be great, but whatever. Um, now, going to your second part, going to the second part of your question, and me and Adrian were talking about this yesterday, audience members talking to you after the show. Um, it can be... There, there's like a, there's like a timeline gauge that we all have built into us. Right. But some people don't have it, or right. or some people just don't know. I think, like when audience members come up to you after a show and they tell you, I pre- like I really thought you were funny. I like that. There's only so many compliments a comedian can take, also, because we have such low self-esteem as it is that it almost becomes uncomfortable when somebody's like, I really like you. You're like, I get it. Right. But you have to leave. Like, I, you know, that's why a lot of us go on stage too. We're not even really you know talk to people that often i don't know yeah yeah no it's, it, i i feel um i feel the same way i feel like if somebody's really cool and they know comedy like that's cool you know but if you just like please don't tell us jokes like don't come up to <laughs> us to, <laughs> and tell like, you a joke that you could use in your act yeah like oh you know yeah like some people oh oh it, like you know somebody comes up to you and goes hey i got a tagline for you after you say this you should say this right right and they point to you and in your mind you're like no man like for, you know and sometimes even if it's clever like don't how do you feel about other comics that you don't know who watch your set and give you feedback on jokes i'm really like I don't know. I'm really bad at that. I'm really bad at taking, like, I don't like to take advice from other comics. I know that that's, I know sometimes that there is really smart, really good writing comics, better writers than myself that'll come up and try to help or say this. And you know what, for me, it's like, I don't want to take someone else's laugh. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I've had that conversation with a lot of people and and here's my philosophy about it. Okay. And and you could tell me if you think I'm wrong or not. A lot of people disagree with this a hundred percent and some people do see it. Um, my philosophy is this. If, if I go on stage and I do a bit, and then somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, dude, that bit you did, I think, I hope this is loud enough. People are going to be like, are these guys fucking whispering? Um, oh, you know that bit you did? Well, if you just take, if you just say this, okay, right after that, that's going to kill. Now, let's say I do that, okay, and it kills. Um... I go to the Montreal Comedy Festival or I go to a comedy festival or, or, or just a big comedy show with industry or a big audition or something like that. And CBS, NBC, one of those networks are there. And they were like, man, we heard good things about you. We wanted to watch you. And all of a sudden, I get off stage and I do that joke and I do that tagline that that person said. And then a person from NBC comes up to me and goes, man, we, we liked you. We got to tell you, man, that joke you did... That was really that was really great, and especially the part where you say this, and it was that tagline that that person gave you. That really killed. Now me, I, I the type of person that I am, and and you know I'm the type of person, and maybe it's part of my mental issue, okay. Um, but you know something has to be wrong sometimes. You know everything can't be. Like, if, if something is good, there's, sometimes there's the yeah, but fact. And I'm really trying to get out of that in my life. 
But, you know, it's just like, oh, I killed, but ah, that one joke I should have. Or, oh, I killed, but why didn't I do that joke? You always kind of have that. Now, with me, if I got a sitcom deal or if I got into a big meeting or if something happened because of that person's tagline or that person's tagline added to that, I would not be able to sleep at night. I would not be able to look myself in the Do you think somebody's going to come up to you and say, hey, I watched 20 comics tonight. I really liked your set. I really like this joke, and I really like this tag the most. No, I'm saying if they come to see me, forget seeing 20 but they're comedians. Not just, they're not coming. First of all, I write with comics all the time. I give comics lines. They give me lines. I mean, that's what comics do. I get it. I, I, I absolutely get it, and I know I'm not saying that I'm right in this thought process. I, it's not that you're wrong either. Yeah, I'm just saying I'm, that. I'm just the type of person that if somebody gives me a killer tagline and I get those laughs, every single time I get those laughs, or if industry likes that joke, or if anything propels me because of that joke and tagline, I'm going to be thinking that that's not my laugh, and I don't deserve that laugh because that laugh is not my writing. The person who wrote it is. And and maybe that's crazy, and I, and, and I don't know if that's the right way of thinking about it, but for me, I just feel like I didn't write that tagline and that's the tagline that gets a clap break I don't deserve that so when I'm standing there on stage holding a microphone and I have to wait five seconds for those people to clap and finish clapping I feel like a fraud is that crazy? no I mean that's just the way that you think I, I don't know like if say me you and a couple other people got together wrote a, wrote a pilot for a movie that got picked up like well that's different I mean, but I, why is it different? it's, it's different because when you're on stage doing stand-up, it's you, a microphone, and, and your thoughts. And I think when you're writing yes. for a movie and a pilot, it's more of like a collective, you know, it's like, oh, that part of the movie, this would be funny. I just feel like your comedy, to me, is such a personal, it's such a personal thing, you know, for me. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I guess, I guess if you're writing with somebody and they're, you're helping each other, I guess that's, you know, like... Yeah, for the most part, of course, all your jokes are just going to be your own. But, like, sometimes people who are not... Like, sometimes I... Somebody's stuck in a joke. And they're like, can you help me see something that I can't see? Right, right. And I'll help them even just look at it in a different direction. They're like, oh, I didn't look at it like that. It doesn't even mean that I'm giving them a joke or a line to it. They're, I'm just helping them see maybe something different. You know, or sometimes I could, could give them a line. Or they could help me see a joke different. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, comedian... But I understand what you're saying, like... You know, just not thinking that that joke. Yeah, I just, you know, for me, it would be really tough for me to just take that laugh or clap break and then have people go, dude, that's a killer tag. I love that. And, I, and like, in my mind, all I want to do is be like, it's not mine. You know, like, I would say, hey, you know what, like, I would have to, you know, like, I wrote for the, I wrote for the 2011 ESPY Awards and he did my joke, but they changed, like, two words around and they made it more, like, my joke was about, um, you know, and it's definitely, like, the joke came from me, it's my joke 100%, but they did say, you know, they, instead of me going right at the guy, Chris Humphreys, Kim Kardashian's fiance, mm -hmm. they kind of made it more about Chris Humphreys and the New Jersey Nets. Uh, you know, together to make it not as mean. Right. And it's my joke, and, but I still had to say that they adjusted it. Just because, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, and Bill Burr actually helped tighten that joke up for me, but I'm not the type of person, and I'm really not good with, I'm really not good with taking credit for something that, uh, you know, it's like what we were talking about yesterday. I told you, uh, you know, when we were driving out here. Uh, I'm six months into comedy. I have like six minutes of bad material, and I'm doing like a local bar upstate New York like in 99 or 2000 and I blanked out after like five minutes I had nothing to say and to this day I still beat myself up because I saw a, a, a clip of Chris Rock when he was like 20 or 21 years old and I did one of the jokes that he did and I just like was like I can't believe I did that you know and still to this day 11 years later I'm like I froze on stage and I took one of my favorite comedians and it was like when he was young and it was it was you know and I'm like I can't believe I would do something I mean, like that I mean but that's totally different that's Oh no, no that's 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 a, that's 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 different but for me it's like that's the worst absolute thing you could do and it's funny cuz everybody kind of laughs at me about it right. because I was just like this young kid I didn't even know what comedy was right um but for me I don't even want to take a tagline I don't want anything to I just don't want anything I don't want anybody else's creative thoughts to be on my stage uh, into my microphone. And I know that that, like, I don't take taglines from people. I don't take taglines from, from, like, big comics that want to give them to me. I really don't like to do it. I mean, if, if there's something there that's, like, really not, but I just don't like to do it. And I know that that's crazy. And I think that I, I think that I agree with the people that think it's crazy. But I also think that my part of thinking about it is, is right, too. No, I, could, I see where you're coming from. But, okay, how do you feel, though, if a comic gives you a tagline 
Like I am, like when I've had comics, especially men, if I'm on stage, they feel the need to say stuff I could maybe add to a joke. And if the tag isn't funny, I'm offended. I'm like, you gave me a shitty tag and you wanted to tell me this probably because you're a dude. I'm like, right. don't even, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes people try to put their brand of comedy in yours, and it doesn't work. Right. It's like, that's not what I would say. I'm not, I'm, I'm not normally like that. I wouldn't say that. That's your brand of comedy on my stuff. You know, um, so, you know, that's, that's the way that I look at it. Um, but, you know, I just feel like, well, anyway, so as far as, let's get back to his, let's get back to his. That was actually a really good discussion on that, though, because it's like some people, some people take everything and be like, oh, so-and-so give me a tagline, it's no. killing. No, some people will take from people a lot. Like, not, not in a bad way, but just like have writing partners, oh, that person gave me the tagline, it's killing, and not think twice about it. I'm not like that. I can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I understand the integrity of just writing your own jokes, of course. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um... Uh, so Brian great questions um, audience members talking to you after the show if they're cool and like you know you'll be able to get a sense from the comic if they're enjoying talking to you but if they keep like looking away and looking at the next person in line also if they're selling merchandise and right. you're talking to them about like you know I remember one time like I was talking to people and I was selling something people just come up they start talking at like the wrong times. so I think it's just kind of like a social thing you know just have the so a lot of comics are socially awkward yeah so for somebody to come up to you and want to have a 45-minute conversation, yeah. it's just like, I don't know, after a show, I want to just go home, and I want to rip apart my set in my head and, and beat see yourself what I up or, I don't or, or need praise you yourself, me, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Of so. course, it's nice you want to talk to people for a little bit, but not like 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, so to cap off that question, I'll say headliner is harder, but the opener is definitely difficult. Um, and then I would say uh, audience members talking, I would just say have some kind of gauge and, and kind of be aware of what's going on. Uh, and if the comic turns around and walks the other way, well, I think kinda, it's time okay. to go home. It's kind of, <laughs> like I would use this as a gauge. After, if you're in the church for a wedding and you go up to the bride and groom after, you talk to them for a while, like a minute maybe each, and then you move on. Like use it like that. Yeah, I think go. that's it. There you hey, go. Hey, congratulations. You're married to this dude now. You look beautiful. And keep it moving. And keep it moving. There you go. Okay. Um, excellent question from Brian in Buffalo. Uh, next question uh, in the segment from my fans is Kevin McLaughlin from Boston, who was actually at the show last night. Um, and he was there with his fiance. Really cool, right? Yeah, they were nice. They talked to us. Um, they were... He, I get, he's, he's a fan of Bill Burr's, and he saw me through that. And he, he actually really wants to do comedy, he said. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and his fiance told me, she's like, he's really not that funny. Ah, you know what, though? <laughs> Sometimes people that, like, you know, it's the people that... I found this. The people that say, oh, man, there's this guy at my job. You know, we've talked about right. that. There's this guy at my job. He's hilarious. He should do it. I bet you that guy would suck because it's totally different. Right. Being funny and being a good comedian are different. Um, so... You know, but I, I appreciated them them coming out, and, and he came out. He made it his business to come and see me. He's a fan of the podcast, and he's a loyal fan, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm using his question here. Uh, thank you guys for coming out. Uh, they were great to you, too. They were really nice. And I feel bad because the wife told me that by, when we were together. Maybe she didn't want him to know that. Oh, okay. In front of him, she was like, he's really funny. <laughs> oh, shit. So you just started something. Uh, that's all right. I don't know them. No, no. <laughs> No, really cool, man. They, they were, were very, very nice. Really cool And that he knew a lot about comedy. I was surprised how much, as an audience member, he knew a lot about comedy. He knew a lot about comedy. He knew, like, you know, everybody that he said he liked were really good comics. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, they were laughing at everything. They were into everything. Um, and, and he asked a question. So his question is, you know, what's the strategy you use to use, you know, when you use new bits? Do you do you sandwich them in? Does it does it go with the crowd? Um, another great question. That's from a non-comic. Right. Um, I would say yeah. And we were talking about that last night. Last night I actually did um, more new stuff than I have in, in a long time. I was actually beating myself up afterwards because I realized the two jokes that I have, have been doing that are still kind of fairly new. I didn't do because I was trying to do even newer jokes. Um, but what you do is I feel like once you get a big laugh and you have them and they like you, now it's time to throw the new joke in there because if you throw the new joke in after a big laugh, if that one doesn't get a laugh, you know you could just come with the next one 
Right? Is, yeah, but is some, that how you do it? Um, yeah, or sometimes if I'm bombing, I'll just do a new joke too because I'm like, who cares if it bombs? It doesn't matter. Like, if you're killing, they might just laugh just because you're killing too. So it's like, it's good and it's bad. You have to kind of try it out. That's a great, that's a great point because you might not get an honest... You might not get an honest reaction right. with the joke. So you have to probably do... I mean, it is good to, I'd say, sandwich it in between jokes that work, just in case it does bomb. But also, too, if you're really killing, they might just laugh. Because I've had that happen, too, where I'm just really killing, and anything you say, they're just with you, and they just like you so much that they're just laughing at everything. Yeah, that's true. They like you so much, and things that aren't that funny are killing. Um so uh, I agree with that. I mean, sometimes, you know, it also depends on, you know, and it depends on my mood. Like, I've noticed that. Like, sometimes I'll get, do you, you ever get defiant with crowds? Um, in what way? Like, if they're... Like, if it, I, sometimes I'll get defiant where, like, the more they're uncomfortable... The more uncomfortable you want to make them? Yeah. 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 Of course. Like, if they get uncomfortable... It's like, I'll show you uncomfortable. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be, like, a tight-ass jerk right now, and yeah. you're going to think, I'm going to... You want to go, we'll go really dark yeah. and really uncomfortable. And then that's when I'll throw something in, and if it doesn't work. Um, uh, Kevin, I'm sure you'll be able to get a uh, a laugh out of this. And I don't know if you heard me talk about this. I talked about this on, a, on an earlier podcast. But um, I opened for... Um, I made one of the biggest mistakes of my career... Um, I opened for Bill Burr at the Red Bank, at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, this huge theater in New Jersey, 1,500 people, and I was doing well, and it was one of those building sets, and then towards the end, I was just killing, and then instead of getting off, you did a at new the joke. end, I did a new joke at the end, which got nothing, and it almost <laughs> got like laughter of like, why would you do that? And I didn't even know where to go, and it was it, it fell so flat that I didn't even I, I couldn't even think of a bit that I would normally do. Right, because you were to, so shocked. Because I was just so shocked, and fifteen hundred people looking at me, so I kind of just blanked, and then brought Bill on stage to that. It was okay because the night before I opened for him in Terrytown, and I killed, but that happened to me. Um, That's because, pretty ballsy. I don't think I would do. Well, yeah, Bill and Bill said Bill said you just treated the Count Basie Theater like it was the comic strip on a weeknight. Um, and 1,500 people, and I did. And he said, he goes to me, you know, he said, it's really good that you have confidence like that, but you should really pick the places where you do that. So I've been on both ends of it, where I, I've really made some mistakes and, and done it. Um, and then afterwards, I'm like, wow, that was ballsy of me to do. But then at the same time, it's like that was, you know, in a venue like that, you don't want to do it. So but didn't you do a new joke at... Town Hall? I closed when I when I opened. You did close there with a new I joke closed, and it worked. I closed at Town Hall with a new joke in front of like, I think 1,200 or 1,500 people. And I have only did the joke four or five times and I closed with it and it crushed. So I think, you know, I was getting a little, you know, I was getting a little, all right, man, I, I could do it. So um, I, I think it, I think to answer your question, it depends on the comic and it does depend on the crowd and you get a feeling an instinct like you know what now's the time now's the time yeah you, you'll know now's the time to throw that out there you know or sometimes i've even said all right guys i'm going to throw some like i've i've actually finished sets and be like all right i'm going to stay up here try to get some work done do you guys mind and i'll just throw out some new stuff to the crowd have you ever done anything like that where you just explain to the crowd what you're doing cuz one th and another thing i've never done and i'm totally against um, I am totally against this. I, if, if pe I have friends that do it, and I'm not against the friends that do it. I'm just against the principle of doing it. I don't bring a pad on, on, on stage. I don't, I don't pull out paper. Um, I, I, I can't do it. I just, it's just one of those things. And I've seen the best comedians, George Carlin, they've all done it. I just like to have it in my mind because I feel like it helps me memory. It helps my memory. And I never want to have that bailout in the back of my head that I can do that. So, like, for me, especially doing longer sets, I like to, um, I guess I like to, to rely on my mind to get it. Right. And, and so that's sometimes why I do it. So it's almost like a thing where I've I, done it, but I try not to. Like, not normally. Yeah. If yeah, it's, it's like a smaller show and, you know, right. people are cool with it, then yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's, I, I totally agree. Um, but that, that pretty much does it. So uh, hopefully that answered your question. Uh, it's a great question, both of those questions. Uh, and thank you so much for, for coming out. Um, uh, Kevin got a T-shirt, the Shut Up and Touch My Dick T-shirt last night, uh, the official one. And that might be the last batch. So uh, Why wouldn't you make more of them? People love them. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm actually thinking about making a podcast shirt, but we'll see. But, yeah, maybe I'll have yeah, – people are liking them, so. Uh, Why don't you do that in the podcast in the back or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a good – that's a good idea. Look at you giving me marketing. Uh, giving are me are marketing you going to take advice. that idea or no? <laughs> <laughs> Look at Adrian with the callback. There you go. No, I'm not going to take that because that was your. Of course now, you're not. Now people. So are now gonna... you're not going to get a ton of money. So that's smart. 
I hope your kid likes eating ramen noodles. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I'm not going to take that because that's your, I'm not, uh-huh. I, I can't put that on the shirt now. Um, but thanks guys for the support. Keep listening to the show. Uh, so that'll be it. And listen guys, if you listen to the Verzi effect, the numbers have been getting better. People are listening to the show. Um, please send me, I'm going to do from the fans. As long as people want me to talk about something, I will do that. Um, but those were great questions. So, uh, please, if you uh, want me to talk about something, whether it's with a guest like Adrian or myself, I will definitely do that. Send me questions. Um, but that'll do it for, from my fans. Uh, now it's time to get into the sports segment, which Adrian has been wait. She has been waiting I'm like, for this. When are we going to talk about sports? She she was like with bated breath. She she said to me yesterday, you know, after we conked out, before we even got help, she goes, "Listen, I know we're going through a lot of shit right now, but you you promised me that we're going to talk sports tomorrow on the podcast." That's how excited she is. She is a sports. I'm ex- Mania. I mean, like you got it. She is a sports. She's wearing a football jersey right now. And the helmet. I have the helmet on. <laughs> she's got the helmet on. Uh, I wouldn't let her wear the shoulder pads because it would have been embarrassing. But she. But the is... helmet is not embarrassing. <laughs> the helmet's not embarrassing at all, and the jersey. <laughs> uh, if you people haven't figured out, Adrian could care less about sports. Uh, so I'm going to make. It's not this even quick. sports so much. I could care less about everything that's going on. In the world. Just in general, and it's just pure laziness. Okay, so you're a lazy individual. Maybe. I don't know if it's... I just... If somebody tells me something, I'll listen to them. But I'm not going to go out of my way to... I don't know if we're still at war. I don't know. <laughs> like, if it's if it's important enough, uh, I will find out. That's, that's my motto. All right. I don't know if we're still at war. I don't know what's going on. I don't. Uh, all right. So you just love... You love dogs. I do love dogs. You're, what's your... What is the love, like... What is in Adrian Appalucci's life that if it was taken away, it would be unbearable? Oh, dog. Like, I love dogs. I, I love, like, that's what I want to do as a comic. I hope I get enough success where I have enough money that I could really help animals out. Like, when I go into a store and there's, you can give money to an animal or a kid, I purposely tell everyone I never give money to the kids. You know what's hilarious about that? <laughs> I only Le- give money to the dogs. You know what's so funny about it? But somebody else is going to give money to the kids. Yeah, but what's funny about that is last night I was, you know, I was hungry when we got back. And they gave me this number for a pizza place and the pizza place was closed. So I had to actually get in the car and I went to the drive-thru at Burger King and I got a chicken sandwich, which I thought was going to be gross and it wasn't. And, and he says to me, would you like to give a dollar to the Jimmy Fund for children's cancer? And, you know, I'm, you're not going to say no, but I thought of a bit there where it's like... You, you to, gave a dollar? I gave a dollar. Now, yeah. do you think that's because you have a child? No, no, it's like, you know, my mom had cancer and like I've... Oh, my dad was, had cancer. I yeah, still wouldn't give but, a dollar. But, you know, you know, <laughs> but you know what's funny? <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, it would be great if I was just like, if, instead of just saying no, because they put you on the spot and you're so expected to say yes... I'm always like, nah, It I'm would be good. great if you were just like, ah, fuck the kids. You know, something or just, ah, nah, fuck that. You know, um... So, yeah, but you, you, you have a dog that you love. I, I spent $10,000 on my dog last year that had cancer to get radiation. I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even have $10,000. Is your dog okay? She's okay, but now I think she's sick again. But, like, she, I don't even have $10,000. I was borrowing money. My uh, boyfriend at the time took out a loan. Like, ridiculous shit. What's your dog's name? Marley. And I named her before that dumb movie came out. And I boycott the movie. I don't watch it. That lady heard me say I was going to write a book called Marley and Me and wrote a movie, wrote a no. book. And, yes, I'm telling you. Because there's no way that somebody would just think about that. Are you serious? I think so. I was going to write a book called Marley and Me. I had Marley about eight and a half years ago. I, I think this woman stole my Wait idea. a minute. Wait a minute. You just throw me a curveball. We had no, I have no idea about this. I have no, I have no way of saying this really you happened, si- but this is what I think. I think she heard me say this. And is this the lady that like. I have no idea. I've never seen the lady. I boycott all of her stuff. Wait, but how do you know? Who saw you say that? Who heard you say that? I don't know. I'm just assuming I said it loud enough. Where people heard it. Yes. Well, I also had an idea for a wrestling diner or wrestling something, and somebody came out with that idea as well. I don't know if it's still around now. Oh, wait, a wrestling diner? It was like a wrestling restaurant. It was like a wrestling... It was like a wrestling... What? Are you serious? (laughs) Yes, and somebody took my idea. Oh, my God. It was going to be like wrestling in a restaurant or something. It was like some idea a while ago I had that somebody took. (laughs) Uh, I never even knew that. Yeah, see? 
I never even knew that. I stopped telling my ideas out loud. Oh, man. People take them. <laughs> that well, man, we gotta well, we, we gotta write this movie then, cause you got that. Well, you know what? Though you could have actually bad luck. No, no, that you. I, I could. Can't, I can't believe you said that, Marley and me. That's pretty nuts. And everyone's like, "Oh, did you name her after the movie?" I'm like, "No." You're like, "No, it's Fuck my that. movie." Fuck that lady. And that's that's my movie. And that dog. Marley actually is a boy in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. My Marley's a little girl, a little boxer. She's beautiful. Now I don't want to talk about negative stuff, but what? If God forbid, I'm gonna kill myself. No, <laughs> if my dog dies, I'm gonna kill myself. No, but here's the thing: you nope. got You got to do the, You got to get the, the new puppy right away. No. That'll heal you. I don't want to be healed. Listen. She's keeping me alive. Right? I'm on the verge any day now <laughs> of just doing it in, but she keeps me alive. So when she's dead, I got no reason to stay here anymore. Okay, but here's the thing: what happens if yeah. somebody said to you, let's say, God forbid, you know, Marley lives a long, you know great boxer life <laughs> 15 years of a great 15 to 17 hopefully you know she pulls it out and then it is her time like it is everyone's time and then you're devastated but then somebody says i need somebody to rescue this boxer puppy that will be killed and and they give it to you and all of a sudden you're not suicidal anymore i could i mean oh let's put it this way i will always be suicidal <laughs> Do you know what i mean like that is a reoccurring theme in my life <laughs> the degrees vary, but that is always. Oh, she's such a she's so lighthearted, isn't she, folks? Very, and this is why I don't host shows because in the in the beginning of a show, you don't want the host talking about killing herself oh, and hoping is, everyone dies. That's hysterical. But you know what? It, for for one thing that I know about you is for as dark as you are, I'm a good person, right? No, you're a good person, and you you're. You don't want everybody to die, but no. you're just, you're, you, you know what it is? I want some people to die. You want some people to die, and there's certain things that bother you, but the type of person you are, and I think the reason why me and you get along is underneath everything, we're kind of like, we have our issues, but like, I feel like you're a really good person. And I, 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 I but I, but, but, you know, and that's why you love dog. I, I think if you don't, like, last night they had the dog with the dog limping commercial. I, the, I can't watch that shit. And, the, and the dog shaking do you and know, stuff. Okay, do you know what is the new dog limping sad commercial that I can't watch? Which one? The children with the cleft palate. I have to fucking change it. I'm like, oh, I no, can't I watch this. I don't want <laughs> That is now the new. No, they have this another sad and not, animal and, and not the Sarah. I'm not talking about the Sarah McLaughlin one. Oh, um, I know. I've the, seen the dog the, the limping. One, yeah, the one with the, and, and then the other the dog is shaking. Yeah. Says, when are they going to stop beating me? Yes. Yeah. And like that's, that's as far as I get. And I'm like fumbling for the fucking remote. I'm like, you, I can't watch if this you, shit. I actually, it's funny you said that. I turned it off last night. Of course. I turned it off no, last night. Who wants to watch that? If if you beat and abuse animals, you should be, honestly, like killed. that is, you should be killed. And like in the most painful way. Yeah, like to do that to an animal that can't defend itself and that's helpless, like that is the worst thing ever. Well, it just means you're really a fucking the person and, and I, eventually you're gonna start doing stuff to people yeah like, and I think people that are good people are the people that you see like that treat their animals well and that you know and that, that love their animals now I'm I not, could never date anyone that didn't love animals yeah like how could you not love an animal how could you not let a dog lick your face I don't care yeah. how could you not let a dog lick just your not face? in your mouth though the not tongue in is your, gross. Not in your mouth. Yeah, like that. But some people like just let it lick your lips. It's like I don't like that. But you, you know, yeah, the cheeks all right. Um, okay, so getting to sports, there's really nothing much to talk about other than the the NFL's back. I'm excited about the NFL. Oh, being, me too. Wow. Yeah, the NFL's back, Adrian. I mean, where did can it you go? Can you sleep? To- <laughs> where, did <it> go? <laughs> where did it go? I've been miserable without the NFL. Uh, well, we didn't miss any games, so thank God the NFL is back. Um, but you got to understand what this means. It's not just about sports for us, Adrian. And this is the thing that people who don't like sports need to I understand. do like sports. I actually like baseball. Oh, you do? I like playing sports more than watching it. Okay. But see, it just gives you something to... You could drink, you can eat, you can... You could en- do that anyway. Yeah, but like to what? You know? Like I don't want to... Like you don't get excited and eat like hot spicy wings and drink a beer watching like Law & Order. You could though. I mean, I guess, I guess you could. That racket in the background is uh, nice cold beer right there. Yeah, ice cold beers being pulled through here, um, downstairs here at the Wyndham in Boston, where we are uh, recording episode twenty-five, and uh, we're getting deep. They here. have all these little jars of marmalade, and I want to take them all. Take them, put them now, in your bag. I'm a big uh, believer in karma, so oh, I'm, I'm a big believer that. in karma too. But I'm they don't care; it's it. jelly. Nah, I'm not going to take it. I am a big believer in karma. All right. Well, anyway, the NFL is back. I'm excited about it. And um, 
what else is going on? That's it. NBA's not around. Hockey's not around. Baseball is it's still whatever. So don't have much on sports, and uh, that is a strategy with Adrian on the show. But That uh, was the strategy? Yeah. You want to talk about sports? Let's talk about no, sports. the NFL's back. You know, the NFL's back. And, uh, you know. I think my team has a real good shot. To who's your team? I got a couple teams. <laughs> <laughs> do you really, are you a baseball fan? Like, you, I like baseball. Who do you yeah. like? Are you a Yankee fan? Of course. I'm from the Bronx. How nice. do I not like the Yankees? Adrian Apolucci from the Bronx. Um, Yankee fan. I used to work in the South Bronx, right by Yankee Stadium. Yeah. As a crime victims advocate. Now, I don't even really like helping people that much. But I was a crime victims advocate, and one of the people I was advocating for stole my wallet, and then I became a victim of crime. <laughs> <laughs> That's the South Bronx for you. Talk about irony, huh? Yeah. And, and oh, he, my he God. He came there. He wanted a transfer because the Crips were, I think the Crips of the Bloods were trying to kill him. And then he also asked me out after he stole my wallet. <laughs> listen, listen. I'll give you your wallet back. Uh, I'll give you your wallet back if we could go on a date. Jesus. I had um, a huge blood stain on my wall in that off. That place was gross. <laughs> First of all, they interviewed me in the nice, beautiful new... They interviewed me in this beautiful building. And then when I get the job, I'm working like the family court building that is just ghetto. Like, like I used to have a tissue that I would open doors with because the fucking place was disgusting. Oh, my God. Um, I was getting paid $27,000 a year. And the greatest baseball team in the world play, it plays there. Yep. Plays in there. In the DA's office. They play in the DA's <laughs> office. <laughs> you got robbed do, helping victims. That's why I don't help. You became There's a victim. No, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And I was um, like, what would I do differently? Because I'd counsel myself through it. Yeah. I said, I would not help people. And I would not work in the South Bronx again. No, I don't blame <laughs> you. But you live in the South Bronx. No, I live in the Bronx. You live in the Bronx, okay. I live in like the whitish. You live in the whitish Bronx? Yeah. It's like a block or two long. <laughs> There's sprinkles then of you other go on the outskirts. Then you go on the outskirts. It's like the Wyndham Hotel. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nice I was for thinking about a block or two. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I'm actually like looking forward to like getting to the, like the tourist area. Actually, the Bronx isn't really bad. No, no. Some parts are really. Some parts are really. Yeah, nice. but some parts of everything are bad. Uh, okay, so. Um, we're going to wait. The free agency thing is going on in the NFL. We are going to wait to see uh, if the Giants uh, make any moves. A um, lot of big stuff. The Eagles look like they're going to be good with all these free agents spending all this money. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. So the NFL is back. That's good news. But here's the thing. They didn't, miss, they didn't need to tell us everything that was going on. All that that did was panic football fans thinking there might not be a season, and then right before the season they resolve it and they have a season. So we got panicked. We got anxiety. Oh, my God, there's not going to be football. Last minute, there's football, which we kind of had an idea of, and um, it was unnecessary. Unnecessary anxiety, which I think we all have way too much of in our lives. But the NFL's back. Football's coming back in September, so I'm excited about that. Moving on now to movie segment. And, folks, I know a lot of times I say I'm going to watch a movie, and then I don't. And then I say, oh, but I'm going to see another one and review it. This time... I saw a movie. I was in Myrtle Beach. It was, like I said, it was 110 degrees. I had no choice but to go to the movies. I saw Horrible Bosses, which was fucking hilarious. One of the funniest movies I have not seen in the past five years, not seen in the past 10 years. Maybe one of the funniest movies I have seen in the past 15 to 20 years. It shit on the hangover. It destroyed... All of these comedies that people were saying, oh, this is one of the best, this is hilarious. It's, it's, it was so funny. I saw it a second time with a buddy that I hyped it up to. And the buddy that I hyped it up to goes, dude, you're talking about it too much. It's not going to be that good if you keep hyping it up. I know. I want to see it. But now I'm thinking that you're talking about it. It's not going to be as good. That, that's what he said. He goes, you're hyping it up too much. I go, all right, I'll stop. He goes, I don't want to hear another word. I didn't say another word. He was crying in the theater. It is a no-miss, no-brainer um, and uh, as a matter of fact, our question person, uh, our, our question and our, our, our supporter here, Brian from Buffalo, emailed me about seeing it beforehand, and I saw it the next day, and he was 100% right about that. These are the type of what fans that I have. He said, go see it. In my opinion, it's great, and it was. It was absolutely great. My fans are the smartest and best. you got to see it. I went to go see it, and then we got there late, so. Just 
Jason Sudeikis from Saturday Night Live is hilarious in it. The, 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 the little guy from uh, It's uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia n- just nailed it, was funny. Jason Bateman had that serious role. Jason Bateman's always uh, really funny. And, and he was just, even in the serious role where he wasn't, the, like, he was the, like, the, the, the voice the of reason. Man, yeah. yeah, he was the voice of reason, and he nailed that part. Um, there was, you know, funny cameos from Jamie Foxx. Um, it was just a really, really... Colin Farrell was hilarious. It was just um, one of those things where it almost felt like comedians wrote it. It just You, you were just, you know, really funny. Um, and I enjoyed it. And I went a second time. I laughed harder the second time and cried the second time and still cried the first time. You got to see it. If you like comedy, you got to see it. And I got to say, if you don't like this movie, it's you. It's you. Jennifer yes. Aniston played... And I don't even want to give away her part... But she has the trashiest mouth in this movie you have ever seen, ever. There has never been, I'm going to go as far as to say, I don't think there's ever been in a, in a movie like this, there's never been a female role talking like this. Ever. Really? Yeah. Rachel from Friends? Porn language. Wow. Porn language. Using words that you, yeah, it was hilarious. Um, go see it. Go see it. I, I don't even know what to say. Two thumbs up. Phenomenal, hilarious, great writing, and uh, I think you, you, it's one of those movies you have to own it on DVD. Go see Horrible Bosses. I saw it twice, and uh, I can tell you it'll be a good ten fifty worth your money. It was really, really good. Um, are you a movie buff like me or no? No. You don't care about movies? No, I do like movies, but I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm a buff, though. It's just you and your dog. So I could just see you in your apartment, just you and your dog. Just hanging just, out. You talk to her like she's a person? Of course. Like, you have full conversations with her? Not, like, full conversations, but, like, you know, we get each other. Really? We're there. Yeah. Really? Like, seriously? She's a lot like me. Like, she doesn't want to be bothered with people. She doesn't want to be bothered with dogs. But aren't, like, aren't boxers really hyper? Like, when you come home, does she lose it? Um, she jumps around, like, in, you know, for, like, maybe five minutes, and then she just settles down. She's just happy to see me. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love the movies. I like movies, but I just, I don't go that often. Right, right. Well, go see Horrible Bosses. Um, you know... By the way, guys, if, you, if you're not familiar with Adrienne um, from Last Comic Standing, um, you know, check her out. Uh, go online and look at clips. Um, she is one of, I have five close friends in comedy. Adrienne is one of them. She is um, a great writer, a, a great comic, and, uh, you know, we're having a good time growing in the business together. Uh, we also have the same, um, we also have the same management, so we're kind of with the same. And we also came... We also left the same manager to go to. We the left. Same we, we left the same manager to get the. You know, I guess to go to another place. I. Well, we didn't we, leave him to go to them, but it's just funny that we were both working well, with it, somebody together, and now we're both working with these other people together. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, we're we are both with Cringe Humor. Uh, shout out to Chris Italia, Dave Kimowitz, Patrick Milligan. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun to work together. Uh, so check Adrian out. Um, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, now we'll do some plugs. Adrian, you got something coming up? I'll be at Stand Up New York Monday at 9 o'clock. Stand Up New York, uh, 9 o'clock on Monday if you're around New York City. Uh, she doesn't want you to come. But yeah, I'm not trying to build the fan base. She's not Please sh- stay home. <laughs> Please do not come out. Uh, she's hilarious, and um, you know, you'll, you'll really enjoy her show. Um, this week coming up, um... It's I, actually part of the Boston Comedy Festival, but they're doing part of it in New York or something. But I thought the Boston Comedy Festival was in November. It is, but they're doing, like, Boston Comedy Festival in New York part. I don't know. I don't understand it. Oh, okay. So then, yeah, come out to that. Um, no, still don't come out, but I'm just... Still don't come out. Still don't come out. Um, this week I have, I will be in Connecticut Monday at, uh, Joker's Wild. I'm doing a fundraiser there. Joker's Wild Comedy Club in New Haven next to the world-famous Frank Pepe's Pizza. Tuesday, I will be doing the um, Helium Comedy Club in uh, Philadelphia. I will be on that show with uh, some hilarious local comics uh, from Philadelphia. So if you were in that area on Tuesday, come out and check that out. Also, check out paulverzi.com for uh, you know weeks that I have coming up. Um, I'm going to be traveling um, to, to some other cities coming up here soon. And also, please su- keep supporting the podcast. Keep leaving comments. Uh, you, it's available on iTunes for free, uh, the Verzi Effect podcast show. Thank you so much. Adrian, thanks for doing the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. No, it was, it was a blast. You're hilarious. And um, that's it, everybody. You do what's unacceptable. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that. Again, I almost forgot. 
what is unacceptable for the week, which I always give my, uh, my guest to do. Look at that. She's, she's on for the first time. Yeah, and, she's, and I have to run the and, show. And she's got to run the show. I have to let you know if the car's gas. <laughs> she has to let me know if the car's got gas, and she's got to let me know that there's actually another segment of my show which we did not do. Unacceptable. You guys know what it is. Something that is just unacceptable. I always give my guests the floor for this. Adrian, the floor is yours. It is unacceptable for people in the workplace to heat up fish in the microwave. You should be killed. Heating up fish at the in job. In the microwave. Stinking up the joint. Stinking up the place. You should be just fucking shot in the head. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And you deal with this a lot. Yes, and I tell everyone in my office they should be dead. <laughs> All right, folks. So you know what I say. If you know somebody that reheats fish in the microwave at the job and they stink up either the cafeteria or kitchen at the job, that is unacceptable. And do what Adrian does, which is tell them. You should die. <laughs> You should die. <laughs> Check Adrian out at Stand Up New York Monday at 9 o'clock. Um, and uh, check, uh, check me out uh, down in Philadelphia on Tuesday. Uh, thanks for listening. And until episode 26, I am out. Thanks for the fans. Brian in Buffalo, Kevin in Boston, other fans out there. Uh, send me what you want me to talk about, and we will get that done too. Thanks, everybody.